It's I, Chris Michaels, back from sabbatical, back from a little bit of a vacation, and also back from festivities. This is the Last Call podcast with the aforementioned Chris Michaels. I'm going to get into a little bit involving items such as climate change, teachers' unions, and then speak about what happened for my big celebration. I've uh, lasted over four decades on this planet, so I never thought that was going to happen. I've always said I was going to rock out until I was 40, and woof, that is here right now. So before I get into all of that, Teachers Union to teachers, they're taking a page out of the COVID-19 playbook, and they are destroying evidence of student gender identity surveys. <gasps> what? You can't ask somebody about their gender identity, especially if they're minors. This comes from the College Fix, a Colorado affiliate of the nation's largest teachers union. The National Education Association told its teachers to destroy any evidence of having given students a gender identity survey. Huh, you don't say. CBS Colorado notes that while Jeffco Public School District says it's unclear whether surveys about preferred pronouns are in violation of state law. There are lawsuits that are ongoing, and federal and state law forbid mandatory surveys that ask about kids' protected information and voluntary surveys must be included with a parental opt-out. Now, what else do they do? They basically say, well, destroy anything. Any digital records are more permanent and may be requested under federal law, but don't forget that uh, maybe you could just write something, right? So it's not in a digital format. Just make sure that you know the child's identity as far as gender is concerned. Uh, maybe old school in a, in, a, in a notebook with a pen or something along those lines. That's what they're telling these people to do. That's what they're telling these teachers to do. So once again, we've got the Democrats and these World Economic Forums types uh, doing illegal things, knowingly doing illegal things, but then backtracking and saying, oh, well, we just didn't know that was illegal. You all know it was illegal, just like COVID, right? How many of your employers out there requested or demanded to know about your vaccination status, knowingly violating HIPAA. And then we had all the idiots that came out there and said, well, it's not violating HIPAA because of these reasons. It's all a lie. They all did it illegally, and now they're trying to cover their tracks. Nobody should know your medical status. Nobody should know about pre-existing conditions. And certainly nobody should know about your sexual proclivities, especially if you're an effing minor. Nobody should be talking about that. Never mind all of these teachers that have these stupid pride flags and BLM flags and telling everybody, coming out to kindergartners and first graders, oh, hey, guess what? I'm a lesbian. Oh, I'm gay. Oh, I'm non-binary unicorn transgender gymnast. I, it's on and on, this stuff. It's all stupid, and they need to stop it. We need to get back to something along the lines of, would you exposing yourself, well, maybe that's the wrong choice of words, uh, allowing others to know about your sexual proclivities in the form of your gender identity, 
maybe that is not acceptable in the workplace. Because I know if I did it at the day job, they would all look at me and say, oh, okay. Why is it acceptable for teachers to come out to five-year-olds and first graders about their sexual identity? And why is this reinforced by the school districts and the uh, the school boards and the principals? and all? They all stick by these people. It's ridiculous. Enough is enough with this nonsense. Stop with the gender idiocy. But, 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 don't think for a second that the censorship about these issues will stop anywhere in the short term. Because, this comes from the conservative treehouse, SOCOM to deploy Argus AI to scour social media for disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. Well, what, isn't that a hoot? The Department of Defense will now conduct online monitoring operations using enhanced AI to protect the U.S. Internet from quote-unquote disinformation under the auspices of national security. Sounds more like fascism to me. And uh, thankfully, this is right on the cusp of the election cycle of 2024. U.S. Special Operations Command has contracted with New York-based Acreate, Acrete? I don't know, it's a weird-looking name, AI to deploy software that detects real-time disinformation. The company's Argus Anomaly Detection AI software analyzes social media data, accurately capturing emerging narratives and generating intelligence reports. Oh, thank goodness. So this AI software is supposed to provide protection for urgent customer pain points against AI-generated what they call synthetic media and deep fakes, much like Erica Marsh, sort of. This is once again one of those crazy dystopian stories where we have the powers that be through AI and deep learning trying to censor everybody that doesn't go along with the mainstream narrative. That's the problem that we face currently, especially with the election coming up, because we're not going to be able to get the truth out there as long as these gatekeepers are in power. We read more and more stories, especially uh, out of Meta lately, that they were removing people's profiles from Facebook and Instagram at the behest of advertisers. So the advertisers would go and scour the interwebs or scour Facebook and Instagram, and they would say, oh, this person has a profile, and they wrote something icky and probably truthful about our company. So we're going to send in a request to remove the post, if not ban the person from the platform altogether. And many times that worked. They threatened to remove all advertising funding if their demands were not met. And of course, Facebook and Zuckerbucks, he's out there saying, yeah, sure, no, we're, we're a platform of freedom. Everybody can say what they want uh, until the advertising money goes away. Then it's all about the shekels. And poof, people disappear. That is the current situation. And hopefully next year and in the rest of this year, it doesn't go in this dystopian direction that we went Back in 2020, where we were being censored and removed from various social media platforms for talking about mask mandates and how ridiculous they are, vaccine mandates and how stupid they were, or coming up, what I would suspect, is going to be the next climate change narrative. 
And Elon Musk is extremely on point for once. He says he's got no choice, no choice to fight back against this kind of censorship, especially when it comes to the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. Now, the Anti-Defamation League has a very murky beginning. Uh, If you read certain kinds of literature, and I'm not saying this is true, nor am I saying I subscribe to it, but apparently there was a gentleman, uh, part of God's Chosen, this is way better. You know, I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not even going to get into it. It's when the ADL first started. I will get into it in another podcast, but I'm not going to get into it now because I have to be extremely careful and accurate about what I say. Otherwise, oh, goodness, it's anti-Semitism. So Elon Musk came out and said to clear our platform's name on the matter of anti-Semitism, it looks like we have no choice but to file a defamation lawsuit against anti-defamation leagues. Oh, the irony. Now, why is he saying this? He's saying this because once the acquisition of Twitter was complete, Elon Musk was being faced with massive amounts of advertiser withdrawals. They were taking their money and going elsewhere. And it turns out that the ADL was responsible for pressuring advertisers to remove their funding from Twitter and X once Elon bought it. And he tweeted, our U.S. advertising revenue is still down 60%, primarily due to pressure on advertisers by the ADL. That's what advertisers tell us. So they almost succeeded in killing X slash Twitter. Advertisers avoid controversy. So all that is needed for ADL to crush our U.S. and European ad revenue is to make unfounded accusations. They have much less power in Asia, so our ad revenue there is still strong. The controversy causes advertisers to pause. So that's what these people are doing. Once again, the ADL was supposed to be the bulwark against anti-Semitism. We're going to stop all kinds of bigotry, racism, and anti-feminist movements. We're going to make everybody equal. Well, it turns out that the ADL, sounding like a Democrat social reform comp uh, I was going to say company. It's not a company, but it's definitely for-profit despite its status. Uh, They're in charge of censoring people. They're in charge of going after social media platforms like X when they don't go along with the mainstream media platform or the mainstream media narrative, in other words. So the ADL, which is there to protect against all kinds of hate speech and disinformation, they are the ones promoting disinformation. They are the ones that are lying And so Elon Musk has said, enough is enough. We're not going to take it anymore. And I'm going to sue you. Good. If anybody remembers, back in May of 2000, Judge fines ADL $10.5 million in Colorado defamation suit. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because more and more articles are starting to pop out about how the ADL tries to manipulate the narrative through censorship and through essentially slander through uh, removing advertising dollars from various individuals and various platforms. So the head of that is Jonathan Greenblatt. And he also has a notorious or very murky beginning. Uh, I think he was involved 
with selling water. And it was supposed to be uh, for, oh, for humanity, to help people get more water. Well, I mean, the, the money he raised, he gave a fraction of a percent to the actual cause and pocketed the rest. And then, boof, he's the head of the ADL. So that's trending. Um, in my opinion, I wouldn't mind it because the ADL is so far removed from its original mission statement. It is now just an operative, a, a seditious arm of I, the Democrats mostly, but the, the, the rollover Republicans, them too, whenever they need somebody to put some muscle on anyone or any business that starts to think for itself, then the ADL is there, and lo and behold, you've got bigotry and racism and anti-Semitism on your hands uh, due to these unfounded claims. So I hope Elon Musk takes them to task uh, simply because I'm not happy until they're not happy. And what do I mean by that? They need to be held accountable. They need to stop what they're doing. They need to stop the outright censorship, especially when it comes to this next election, because it's going to be very important. And you're already starting to see various false flags around the United States because, oh, if Trump is running, then we're going to have fascism once again rear its ugly head. That's right. This next election is going to be a vote for democracy. It's going to be a vote against fascism. We need to stop fascism. Democracy is on the ballot in 2024. Is it? Is it any more on the ballot than it was back in 2020, back in 2001? To, yeah, on and on and on. It, it's, it's the same kind of rhetorical nonsense that we need to see through. So there was a little bit of a scuffle. Interesting story that kind of went viral from Laura Loomer. When Laura is not there uh, shouting at people and doing uh, crazy things, um, she actually came up with something interesting. Now, it's interesting in one way, but she's writing it and uh, trying to trying to expand upon the story that she exposed in the way that I don't think is the best for her. There's two angles to this story. So the basis of what happened, a whole bunch of Nazis were protesting something on the bridge, on some bridge in Florida. Now, what were they saying? They were essentially saying that they support Joseph Biden. That's right. A whole bunch of Nazis, national socialists are supporting Joseph Biden. Why? Because Joseph Biden is dumping hundreds of billions of dollars into the Ukraine. And what do we have in the Ukraine? A whole bunch of Nazis. So they are expressing their support for their presidential candidate, which is Joseph Biden. So we find out that there's a whole bunch of videos out. You see all the stupid swastikas, but there's one idiot in the background. And he's got tattoos all over his face. And why is that important? Because of what the implications are with the federal government. And I'm just going to read her tweet because that's the best way to do it. I may summarize it, but here we go. Ukrainian Nazis are recruiting Nazis from Florida to fight in the Ukrainian war. One of the Nazis I caught on camera yesterday who was shouting slurs at me is a guy by the name of Kent McLellan. M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N. He goes by the name Boneface. Why? Because he's got tattoos all over his face and the rest of his body. McClellan is an American neo-Nazi who fought in the Donbass, which is in the Ukraine, as part of the Nazi right sector movement. He then joined Ukraine's Nazi Azov Battalion after Russia 
launched an attack, quote-unquote. According to one report in 2022, McClellan received a Ukrainian passport in March of 22, and he is a man who has, has a swastika tattoo on half of his torso. He has killed civilians. He has several convictions in the U.S. and heads several neo-Nazi associations. This man now has Ukrainian citizenship. Interesting to know, because we also find out that back in 2012, Boneface was arrested for domestic terrorism because he was training neo-Nazi groups. He was funding them. He was apparently getting them weapons or weapons training and so on and so forth. So then this led down another rabbit hole where we are now noticing. Now, i got to preface it with this. This is a two-year-old story. But it's gaining traction yet again, which means that this is going to be one of those sticking points over the next year or so. So the story is this. On January 6th, we've got a number of photographs and videos of individuals going stupid and get wandering around the Capitol building. But also we've got a lot of people smashing things in front and doing odd things in front of the camera. Now, we find out that many people in front of the camera just happened to have been Ukrainians. So how were the Ukrainians there on January 6th? Why would Ukrainians even care about a presidential election versus uh, Trump versus uh, Biden? What, what were Ukrainian citizens doing breaking into the Capitol building? Why is that happening? That's the angle that she's trying to go down. What she should, the angle she should really try to push here is the following about these Nazis that are coming in and out of the Ukraine, right? If you're a Nazi, that's a bad thing. You could say whatever you want, but more than likely, you're on some kind of list. And as I've said since day one, there are Nazis in the Ukraine. In fact, there are a lot of them in the Ukraine. So the United States is basically, and NATO, supporting Nazis. No big surprise, because you've got NATO forming from the ashes of the Third Reich after World War II. So what's the big surprise there? And this is what I wonder, because if we've got Ukrainians going into the Capitol building on January 6th for the optics, and if we've got Ukrainians breaking things in the Capitol, and now we have all of these Ukrainian Nazis going back and forth being veterans and having dual citizenship or possibly just single citizenship, right? Who is allowing these visas to get approved? Because the last time I checked, the United States cannot fund Nazis, but somehow they are to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars like they're doing in the Ukraine. The next question I have is that being that these Ukrainians did get into, according to the videos, did get into the Capitol building and started to bust stuff up. Were there any computers or laptops stolen from the Capitol building? If there were, who were they stolen from? What information were, was on those laptops? Could it somehow enable other nations to blackmail members of Congress? And finally, I would like to know if there was a guest list, which I know there was, but who was on the guest list of various members of Congress on January 6th so that they could get into the Capitol building without any issue and then do whatever it is they were supposed to do in order to do once the supposed rabble rally got inside. Now you know 
why Biden is giving all of this money to the Ukrainians. Because they worked together. They were on the same side. It's got nothing to do with whether or not uh, there's bribery here. Because all of these people, all of these elites, they're all bribable. They're all blackmailable. They're all in it together. They all have these proclivities to do the wrong thing. So they're all in it together. The only way you can trust them, or the only way that they can trust each other, I should say, is if they're all equally dirty and eyeball deep in their depravity. So what you're looking at with all of this is Biden is repaying his allies in the Ukraine for committing January 6th. And the United States is still involved with, essentially, human trafficking by doing this, by allowing Nazis to come in and out of the United States, by allowing felons to use ham radios, right? It's, that's illegal. You can't do that. And all of these people are so shocked. Actually, most of them are quiet. They don't even want to touch this topic. That's why this is important. These people in power, in the Biden administration, they are so corrupt that they are actually supporting Nazis, and the Nazis say that they support them, literally, on a bridge in Florida. Anyway, uh, I was going to get to a climate change paper, but I'm already 21 minutes in. I don't, I don't know if I want to go any further. Uh, interesting interesting paper but i'm gonna save it for another night but i do want to thank everybody that decided to show up for my surprise birthday i don't really talk about personal stuff but people traveled from all over the country to surprise me thanks to one special person and i had no idea that this was going to happen. I I was so clueless. I walked in and I didn't notice it until somebody told me to turn around and say, "Hey, stupid! Do you recognize that these thirty to fifty people?" And I, whoa! Even Greg Bolden showed up to my surprise birthday party, and Greg was kind enough, uh, given my advanced years, to purchase my very own bag of depends. So I'm extremely appreciative of that. And then uh, I guess the theme was for all of my birthday cards to not really be birthday cards. So a big joke that I like to play on people is I never buy them a card for the for the appropriate celebration. So, you know, if it's your birthday, I'll buy you, you know, uh, or better yet, if it's an anniversary, I'll buy a condolences card. Something along those lines. I'll cross out everything. I'll write my own. So apparently this birthday, everyone thought I was Jewish. So they helped me celebrate uh, my bar mitzvah, uh, my bris. I think that was one of them. And it was also a happy Hanukkah time. So, oh, my goodness gracious. I didn't know I was Jewish. Uh, so moving forward, this is not going to be the last call podcast with Chris Michaels. It's going to be the last Kvetch with Chris Moskowitz. And we'll go with that for uh, about a week. Uh, but I wanted uh, friendship is so important, and so is family. And sometimes it takes one little event to make you realize that you actually do have a family, and you do have a whole infrastructure of individuals that truly do care for you. I'm always in. I'm always in right field. I'm always doing my own thing. I'm, I'm fiercely independent, 
And that's my own fault because that leads me down a road of isolation. And generally, just, you know, you go down your own road. You're in your own little world here, but that's not necessarily good. So when you come across individuals, you have to nourish those relationships. So I found a few quotes from French dramatists, dramatists in the penultimate way, Albert Camus. He said, when you have once seen the glow of happiness on the face of a beloved person, you know that a man can have no vocation but to awaken that light on the faces surrounding him. That's extremely important. No matter what you think of yourself or any situation or anything like that, you have to foster those relationships with friends and loved ones. And then he also said, when I was young, I asked for more people, uh, I asked more of people than they could give. Everlasting friendship, endless feeling. Now I know to ask less of them than they can give. A straightforward companionship and their feelings, their friendship, their generous actions seem in my eyes to be wholly miraculous, a consequence of grace alone. Don't walk behind me, I may not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I may not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. So that's how I'm going to leave it to everybody on the, uh, all, the listenership of the last Kvetch with Chris Moskowitz. And you're still part of the Fuzzball Nation. I appreciate the listens and you know what to do. Like me, find me and share me everywhere you go, because the more listens I get, the more inspiration I get. And that means more content for you. I will be back another, I don't know, three podcast, four pot, whatever I do for the rest of the week. Uh, even though it is a short week, I am still here. <laughs>